Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest episode of Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. I am Professor Jeremy Vilmer, and I have no godly idea what number episode this is. Joining us now, Arn Anderson's favorite enhancement talent, Double B, Bobby Blaze. That's right, Professor. It's Double B, Bobby Blaze, coming to you. Um, I'm not in a van this week. I'm not in Evansville, Indiana, man. I am outside with a stick and a poke, and I'm waiting for my daddy to come along and give me a push in professional wrestling, man. Oh. He sent me a bus ticket. Said something about going down and trying out this new territory, you know. So uh, if daddy says so, I got to go. Got to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. We How are, are you, man. I, I'm doing okay. I'm doing all good. right. How are you this week, Bobby? I'm good, man. Good. Yeah. Just waiting for that bus ticket. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Last week we talked to um, Brennan. Oh, God. I always do this. I forget his Martin. last name. Brennan Martin. Brennan Martin. I, somehow I forget his last name every time. Uh, Brennan Martin about his book, Teeny, which was about his grandmother, uh, Teeny Jarrett. Yes. And uh, I think that episode, first of all, thanks that we had um, Brendan on here. He'd done a very good job. Um, the book was excellent. We both uh, really enjoyed mm-hmm. the book. Uh, got a lot of good feedback on it. And that may, uh, people, that's just now tuning in. If you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to last week's podcast. But that's kind of my reference for, you know, waiting for, Wait for my push from daddy, you know. Yeah. Um, so we'll we'll get into that because what are we talking about this week on our episode before we go over some fun notes here and stuff? Well, this week we're talking about nepotism, the good and the bad. Oh, uh, um, yeah. Yeah, just like my... I thought you said narcolepsy. <laughs> I was like, narcolepsy, uh, what, nepotism? Yeah, uh, necrophilia. Uh, nec- yeah, and you sent me a really little message back on that. We call that a Saturday, and I pop for you. <laughs> so anyway, no, nepotism, the good and the bad of it. And I think we're going to have a good podcast like we always do about that. But I know we got some notes and stuff to kind of go over. Now, we've uh, recapped last week's episode uh, with... Uh, Brendan Martin. So, uh, you got some news for me you, you sent to me, and I had to look it up, just one little article yeah, that I read, because I didn't um, know about it more than I did. Well, I'm going to go ahead and say what the news is, uh, and there's a reason this kind of stuff stands out to me. Assuming that everything is true, we are dealing with wrestling journalism, which means 50-50. You know, yep. it, it could be bullshit, it could be 100% legit, but it has leaked out that the WWE is attempting to or has entered into an agreement with MLW and um that could be that could be really cool because i mean right now you've got AEW who has an agreement with New Japan and with uh, Impact and something with NWA where they have their champions coming and going from mm-hmm. there um you know and one of the reasons this stands out to me is because Billy Corgan when he bought NWA and people were like, well, you know, aren't you buying a dead property? You know, all this kind of stuff. And he was talking about, look, the wrestlers are going to be in the same boat as musicians and actors and everything else. They're going to have to be out promoting themselves and doing things on their own, even if they're under contract somewhere. Yeah. And you may see a point where guys on one show are showing up with a different show's belt, which, like in the case of Kenny Omega, I think, you know, putting the TNA Impact title on him it kind of gets a little bit stronger than where it was left off at without it, you know, because yeah. now you've got at least the shared histories and you got a guy who looks legit as hell. Cause he's carrying around what four belts right now. 
Yeah, um, I guess he has several. Yeah. So, you know, in this case with the MLW, first, it's interesting to see the WWE break their nobody but us exist rule. Um, And then also the possibility like a lot because they still have a ton of guys under contract who aren't going on shows and things. This will open up an opportunity maybe for them to go work on MLW shows. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too, is just the um, then I was thinking also the MLW guys. If they get a chance to go on NXT or something, you know, mm-hmm. uh, showing up on those shows. But I, th- I think it's like you said, um, with today, the way things are, the, with, with the world just, you know, not talking about the pandemic world, just talking about the world of like entertainment and, and, and more specifically, of golf, you know, our product, professional wrestling. Yeah. Um, this should give a lot of guys a lot more opportunity. I think it's a good time that if you're, if obviously if you're already with one of them companies and with social media, like with all these media outlets, not just the television product, but YouTube channels and, and, um, things like that, Facebook live, et cetera. Um, the only, so I think it's good. The only thing I, I, I hope doesn't happen, um, is that either WWE talent goes to, or NXT, what have you under contract goes there and, uh, to MLW. And I don't think it's part will happen. They get buried in the shuffle there, but I think it's more likely that if a couple guys from MLW, you know, jump over to NXT exclusively or something, they start, they get buried in the shuffle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if they can keep the products separate that, Oh, this is NXT, this is MLW. But when those two talents exchanged, they are acknowledging, like you said, that that's what to me really that whole thing about WWE saying, Oh, nothing else exists except for us policy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, no wrestling history other than what we put out there or what have you. But, um, I think that's the only thing is is if a couple guys think, oh, and, and you should be shooting for the work for these big companies. You know what I'm saying? If you're out there as a wrestler, you're an independent contractor, and you got a chance to to, to, to get a contract, you only have a limited amount of time, uh, you know, limited windows, a space of window there that you have to, to make your money. Um, you know, hopefully you're staying healthy and, and, and getting a push and all those good things that can come with it. I just hope they don't think that um, WWE is the is the better product or what have you and they they jump exclusively there then get caught in a shuffle and and then you know two years down the line you don't know you know where, where so and so went you know right um i just hope that doesn't happen to anyone but i i think as as paul orndorff told me before you know the cream of the crop always rises to the top and i, I think you know i think macho man may you know use that his thing but we was in a shoot interview just talking paul and i were um and so you have to get yourself over, you know, like you said, Bill Corgan was talking about everyone being involved, you know, musically, uh, television, uh, acting or, or, or wrestling or what have you. Um, you gotta get, you gotta get yourself over, man. And yeah. the more exposure you get good exposure. Um, and I think both of those obviously have good exposure, especially, um, the NXT product, you know, the MLW, I think now, are they just on YouTube only or, um, some, cha- a- some channel has a deal with them. I can't remember what okay. it is right off the top of my head. Well, I hope that happens something good though, that they get the exposure they need. So we know, you know, who the players are. Oh yeah. Well, you know, they've got, I've, I've seen a little bit of their stuff. I keep meaning to watch more because first off their show kind of reminds me of an old school wrestling show from like the eighties mm-hmm. where it just, it feels like, and like, the first time you saw WCCW, you know, where you're just like, oh, shit, who are these guys? This is really yeah. cool. You know, that kind of thing. It's um, been a couple of years since I watched it. And I did watch about three programs. Uh, 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 
going through a drive-through one day, and, and uh, a guy said, "Hey, man, have you seen this MLW?" And he told me a couple people, and I'm drawing a blank right now, but I did watch it, and I, I enjoyed it actually. Yeah, um, um, had a good know, feeling to it. I'll say that had good. Yeah, feeling. well, Kevin Von Erich's kids are there as a tag team. There's a guy working there. I don't know what the current angles are, but he's a, he's a former MMA guy or also also an MMA guy. I don't remember. Filthy Tom Waller. And he's mm. entertaining as hell. And he, instead of being built like a bodybuilder, he's built like a fighter. Yeah, and I know so, you talk about. Yeah, yeah, and he looks legit as shit in the ring. So, you know, I think there's yeah. some good stuff. And it's it, yeah, he ML- did MLA. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. legit. Yeah, and it, it just, it's a pro, it's a product. I hate using that term. It's a wrestling program I need to watch more of. Okay. Well, fans, if you're out there, let us know uh, what you think about that, man. I think it's a good thing. Um, the way you worded that, WWE, not, uh, had that <laughs> no one else exists policy. That's pretty good. That's kind of true, you know. Yeah. Uh, but now they, you know, but how would they acknowledge it on TV? We'll have to see. You know, yeah, exactly. This, it's is, just... this is their champion from another company. You know, I could see MLW. Uh, saying WWE or, or NXT or whatever, but I don't know if they'll be doing a rebar. You know, say so might yeah. not be a fair trade. I just hope something like uh, uh, what was it, ECW, and I think Evolution both just eventually got bought out by uh, WWE. So, you know, does Vince just um, put the word out that hey, we're going to do a deal with them? Then all of a sudden, like, well, we got enough money, let's buy all their contracts, and you know, well, kind of like did WCW get it? Get you know, buy the product, yeah, <laughs> buy the programming. I don't. No. Well, I, we'll I think see. I think the world is too small for that now. You know what I, I mean? Hope so. <laughs> because well, I mean, just think about think about, and then we're kind of getting off on our on a rant. Yeah. But think about the amount of choices you have when it comes to viewing media. Just the streaming services and YouTube and your Facebook channels and Twitch and. I mean, yeah. there are a lot of ways to put something together visually and get it out there. Look, I know guys that have sold movies or a movie script by doing a very, very short version of the movie as a multiple YouTube clip. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, this is, it's doable. I mean, you could do, I mean, you could do a wrestling program, release it one match at a time on, on YouTube and Facebook. Yeah. You know, there are, there are ways around it. So I just think the world is too small for big wrestling companies to act like they're the only wrestling in the world. Yeah. There, there's probably fans listening right now that, that I would imagine are MLW fans, um, much like our AEW, whatever, but, but do not watch the WWE product. You know, I don't know. And vice versa. Uh, same thing with impact or ring of honor, or what have you. So, uh, Anyway, I put on there, you kind of mentioned it, wrestling journalism sucking right now because it's like 50-50. Mm-hmm. I just read the one article and I was like, well, here's two misspelled words and here's the word ran into each other. And I'm like, come on, this is like, uh, you know, uh, cage side seats or something. I'm like, man, a lot of people read this, you know, come on. Where's your uh, editors? Yeah. yeah give, me, give me something, man. I mean, we all make mistakes, of course, but I'm like... But when I read the story, I, I didn't come away knowing really. They just went on about um, a couple other people. Um, I won't mention any names particularly, but it was just like, okay, that had nothing to do with um, the WWE and MLW working together. You know what I'm saying? It's like they mentioned a couple people and their, their, their side side problems. I'll say that. They just brought up a couple people's problems, and I was like, oh, man. Um that didn't have anything to do with that story. Yeah. So that's why I was saying it's 50-50 or whatever. Like, I sucked. 
Uh, well, I, I'll mention the one because I felt bad about it. And that was, you know, Mickey James got her stuff delivered in, in plastic uh, plastic bags to her home, I guess. Yeah, it, garbage it bags. That, yeah, garbage bags. It mentioned that in the article, but it had that had nothing to do with. And then the other thing was a political thing I won't get into. But it was I'm like, those two people and stories are complete stories on their own. They have nothing to do with right. WWE and MLW. So I was like, come on, man. I want to walk away from the article knowing something a little bit more, you know, which brings me to another topic. So we'll get off this rant there. Um, AC Slater having a match, Mario Lopez. We talked about this a little bit off the air. What do you think about that, man? Well, I mean, you know, like we were saying, it's, he was a high school wrestler. He was a good high school wrestler. Yeah. Uh, I think he was seventh in the state. His graduating year was what I read. Um, Obviously, he's in great shape for his age. He's the same mm-hmm. age I am, and I'm falling the fuck apart. He looks like, you know, he looks great. Um, yeah. You know, he stayed in great shape. He had something he wants to do, and I think you were telling me it's something his kids, or he wants to yeah, do it well, for his it was, kids. He he said, um, I just caught a clip of Jerry Lawler uh, saying that he should go for it. Well, it actually came from Mario Lopez's um, a podcast. Uh, of course, everyone knows who I'm talking about, Saved by the Bell actor. He yeah. said he asked Jerry Lawler, Jerry the King Lawler, for some advice. And he basically said, Jerry, they're they're trying to get me to do something in the ring. For my kids, I think I want to do it. Get in there as a storyline. He says, I'm almost 48 years old, but I'm in pretty good shape and athletic. Any suggestions? And he said, by the way, I grew up wrestling too. And Lawler said, you know, Hall of Fame Lawler, blah. He said, I'd go for it. He said, if that's something that you have, a, if that's a bucket list or lifelong dream to get in a ring and do something with the WWE superstars, I would definitely say go for it. And, um, you know, he said, trust me, they love interaction with superstars like yourself. Of course, he's putting them over, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's great because um, he has that background. And if he has that chance, um, I'm not saying he needs a, you know, um, uh, main event met WrestleMania next year. Um, I'm not saying he needs to go in and get this huge Goldberg push that Goldberg got at age 50 or what have you, because he had all that prior, you know, uh, worldwide recognition from from WCW and, and, and stuff. Right. But if he can go in and do something with a storyline, it'd probably be pretty fun. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I hope his arms are bigger than um, Snoop Dogg's. You know, Snoop Dogg got in there and <laughs> done something, you know. So, yeah, if they make it, I don't even. Um, all right, professor, mm-hmm. I think AC Slater could, could do all right because of his background. And, um, I think it'd be good hot to entertainment oh, good for a lot of his fans. Yeah, you know, and that's WWE what they're going to, you know, that's you what know. they're going to call it. They're going to talk about it. Sports entertainment. They're not going to call yes, it wrestling. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. Um, so, um, Liz, I, was, I thought it's funny, you know, so, Screech, Screech could beat him. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I don't think Screech yeah. could beat much of anybody these days. Not these days, but, yeah. uh, what about Zach Morris? He can come out and form a tag team together. I don't know. Well, maybe. But AC yeah. Slater's going to do this. He's going to put some eyeballs on a TV screen or, or, yeah. or your, you know, streaming, you know, the Peacock or whatever you're doing that work, whatever, you know, he's going to put some eyes on it, uh, especially female eyes. You uh, know? Yeah, I think so. so yeah. Yeah, he's a um, pussy getting machine, man. Yeah, he was. You, you look, know. Well, look at his his wives and <laughs> ex wives or whatever. Yeah, that's yeah. a that's a list. Um, but you know, I mean, yeah, it's I can see him in it. And like you were saying, he's more believable throwing a knockout shot than say like John Stewart from The Daily Show was. 
yeah. um, or Regis Philbin or, you know, whoever, when, you know, they grab these like out of shape, 180 pound guys and have them like, you know, knock out one of their big stars. But, um, yeah, I, I can see it. What the hell? And, yeah. you know, you, you got the opportunity. Well, why not do it? Yeah. Yeah. I think it'd be, I think it'd be good, good for him. Like you said, even for, for his kids, you know, if that's what he wants to do, hell go for it, man. That's what I say too, you know, um, so anyway, you think we ought to get to this podcast? Do we have any other notes? Oh, I have a note for you, Jeremy. Oh, okay. I, I told you this off air. Let me go over my notes here real quick. Folks, by the time you hear this, um, which will drop on either late Monday night, but probably Tuesday morning, uh, I think that's the 4th, um, it's supposed to debut on May the 6th is the uh, season three premiere of Dark Side of the Ring. And man, I saw part one last night of the Brian Pillman. If someone dropped it on YouTube, I don't know who, I don't know how it happened. I just was flipping through my YouTube and it popped up. And I have to say, man, um, uh, it's, 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 it's a dark, dark side of it. Uh, but it, I, I, I sit there and I said, do I want to watch this at this time? Cause I was all stoked. I watched the Kentucky Derby shout out to Louisville, Kentucky in a great state of it's great Commonwealth of Kentucky. We represented ourselves well yesterday on national international television, you know, uh, and, and shout out to, uh, Medina spirit who won. I had that horse. Um, uh, I liked that horse for some reason, but it won a Bob. Really? Horse. You had yes. that one? Well, yeah, I told, yeah, I picked, I was watching, I watched footage on Wednesday and Thursday night. Then I did a recap Friday. I love horse racing. I just, um, I did not get my bet in, Oh, honest, okay. but, I, but, but I know some people that did and that, that does my heart good because across the board, it paid about 45 bucks and $10 across the board. You know, you got a pretty good payday, about $240, maybe something like that, $215, something yeah. like that. So uh, on a $10 win place and show, that's not bad money. Uh, but anyway, uh, back to the Pillman thing, I was like, do I want to watch this or not? And I did because I was like, okay, I'm going to have a probably, it, it'll probably be taken down by now. But um, it was on YouTube late Saturday evening, and it was Brian Pillman Part 1 of the Dark Side of the Ring, and it's supposed to premiere on Vice TV. They're doing an all-day marathon on Vice on May the 6th leading up to Season 3, the opener of this one. And uh, I'll just say, yes, it's pretty damn dark. A lot of stuff out there. Brian Pillman, man, it's just, um, it's, it's very good though. They've done a very, the, the program, uh, we was talking off air, uh, as far as you can tell them telling the truth, they didn't pull any punches about who they had on here and what was going on, you know? Yeah. It's like, wow. Whew. Anyway, for you fans that like that stuff, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, it, again, it may still be on there by the time you hear this, but if not, it'll be, you know, uh, up on the, up on a, uh, vice TV on a sixth. So I think that was uh, pretty much all I wanted to get at um, on my notes there. So I just wanted to kind of let our fans know about it. Yeah, uh, no, most that's... of them probably do anyway. But well, you know that that Dark Side of the Ring has been a heavy hitter since you know it, yeah. it's its initial release and the whole time along. I I have trouble with it just because every time you watch it, you know fucking how heavy you're getting yeah. into. You know, yeah. it's just they uh, um. Yeah, they're not doing a happy side of the ring, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, you know. Uh, it's not rainbows and lollipops and butterflies and all the stuff is pretty. But um, I do know they're doing um, uh, Dynamite Kid. Um, I think that's going to be one of them. Um, they're doing, they said this is kind of tomfoolery, but I guess they're doing a um, the uh, plane, plane ride from hell. Or, plane <laughs> to, you know, they're doing yep. well on that. Um, 
but yeah, they they've got and like I said, Brian Pillman's a two two parter, so that'll be the first couple of weeks, of course. Um, but yeah, it's it's just um, you know it's doing end in tragedy, man. You know. Yeah. Hey, did you did you ever work around him, or was he he was gone from WCW by the time you? Yeah, were Yeah, he was gone. Yeah. As a matter of fact, um, I spoke to him on the phone twice. Um, a friend of mine lived in Cincinnati was um, uh, doing some managing class with Roy Bass, and they put them on a show together on a radio show together. Uh, w uh, whatever fuck I can't remember the name of the show now. Now. Anyway, back in the day. And so uh, we was thinking if we could try to bring Pillman in, you know, for an independent show where I was doing some of those smaller towns that Smoky Mountain had done, you know. Yeah. And uh, we just spoke for probably five minutes or so. And he was out of our price range, and he was already uh, pretty much negotiating with, um, you know, working for ECW and doing some independent stuff and, and pretty much was setting up. When you watch this, you'll see what I'm talking about. He was pretty much setting up a run with WWF uh, at the time, you know. Yeah. He kind of played – uh, not to give anything away, but he's kind of, he was, when you watch the show, you'll see, so you'll know the time period. He was doing some independence and making appearances. And, um, like I said, I spoke to him very briefly, um, just to see, cause Les Thatcher was running some shows and I don't know if he was going to do anything. You know, he's in Cincinnati area and we had done some work down there and basically we just spoke. Um, he would have not known me or anything other than he said, Hey, yeah, uh, nice talking to you, but I'm not interested, you know, not right. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? It was very professional and it was, uh, after his accident, of course, uh, too. So, uh, but no, I did not know him. No, no personal inter- inter- reactions or anything. Now I have seen his son work and, um, uh, man, he's pretty damn good. Brian Pillman Jr. is pretty damn good. Um, I watched a couple of his matches live, uh, prior to this pandemic. And, um, um, he's, he's on a little bit of a short side, but he's got a great build and he's, he's got a hell of a in ring presence and, um, uh, wrestling ability. So you know, I do hope he does well. You know why? You know why I think he's going to make a great wrestler. No. Well, look at his hair, Bobby. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Great mullet. There you yeah. go. I, I don't <laughs> think I don't mullet. think you or Bobby Eaton or anybody else get anywhere near <laughs> that mullet. Yeah. Well, maybe Theo Vaughn can. <laughs> oh, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man, let's get into the show. Nepotism, the good and the bad, and maybe the ugly. Maybe the ugly. <laughs> maybe the ugly. Uh, we got a good starting point here. You want to start us off, because it's going to kind of go with the recap of last week that we had uh, uh, Brendan on when he was talking about oh, uh, my God. Uh, Nick Gula. So who do we have as our first uh, well, good nepotism in a wrestling I, the, the story in the book, I'm going to let you <laughs> set this up, but our first... <laughs> Our first person we're going to talk about is George Goulas, son of Nick Goulas. Yeah. Woo. So I I guess from everything I've read and heard the stories and, and prior to reading Teeny last week, uh, the um, the story, you know, he he wasn't a he he Nick said this boy's going to be a star because he's watched it all of his life, you know, mm-hmm. and that just because you watch basketball doesn't mean you're going to play in the NBA or because you watch NASCAR. I mean, you're a NASCAR driver, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. But uh, Nick's uh, wanted to push him to the moon, you know, and put him up against guys that were um, much more talented than he was and shouldn't have been in the ring with putting them over, not necessarily just putting them in the ring with them, but, but putting them over. Uh, um, I know that uh, the, the story in the book, you know, he's in, they brought Harley Race in. And, um, you know, this is the one that kills me. Yeah, this one here. So Harley's in there and he's trying to carry the guy, but he's like, 
I can't, I'm Harley Race and, you know, I can't be doing certain things, you know. And so I guess he basically was just to give him a little bit of beat down and let him come back. And, and, uh, <laughs> he just stopped selling. Finally, Harley's quit selling during the middle of the match at some point because a 60 minute Broadway, if you can believe that, Harley was professional enough to do that for courtesy. I hope the Nick. payday he was got good. The payoff. Exactly. Yeah. The payoff's what it was. But he said, Daddy said sell. Daddy said sell. <laughs> you know, and that just cracked me up, man, because I've heard that story for years, you know, about that. And the other one was, and, and I heard this from Bobby Eaton, and and and, and he was just telling a story. He wasn't saying anything bad. Uh, he just said he didn't know any better, you know, something like that. Bobby, he, he's just one of them guys. He just don't say – you don't hear anything bad about him. He don't say a lot of bad about anyone else. But he was talking about – he had been on, on one of those trips, and, and Brendan mentions it in a book, not necessarily one uh, Bobby was on, but uh, the promoter, I can't think who it was. Uh, anyway, they, they went on like a three-hour trip uh, over to Birmingham, or and they they stopped to get the, to get some gas at, or get some snacks at a gas station, and it was getting, you know, like the canned viney weenies or, you know, a couple of soda pops and some chips and, and stuff yeah. like that back in the day. Not, Road not like you have these 24-hour convenience stores you have out there on the highways now, but yeah, he's getting some road food and stuff. And he calls his dad and he said, Daddy, we're having a picnic. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh God. And and Bobby had told me that dad stopped before and he'd, he's like a picnic, you know, for him, you know, because he was used to eating in fancy and nice restaurants and stuff, set down meals. Yeah. And and here they are around the car eating their, you know, uh, blowny blowout, you know, a loaf of bread and a couple of soda pops and a, and a pound of baloney sharing it amongst them, you know, whatever. And he, he thinks it's a damn picnic, you know, oh, so for him, it was should, a he, should he have been pushed or not? You know, that's the thing. Well, uh, so or even in the business. So here, here is the description I think is most apt to him from everything I've heard. He had two left feet. Mm-hmm. He was all thumbs. <laughs> his, his go-to move was a sissy karate chop looking thing an uncoordinated whatever chop slap thing that nobody looked like it could do anything to. He was apparently gangly and his dad loved him and pushed the shit out of him. And then on top of it, he had this terrible lisp. So you have to imagine this gangly, all thumbs, two left footed picnic, loving baloney sucker <laughs> trying to back yeah. Harley race into a corner with these little fucking, you know, slaps saying yeah. daddy fed fell daddy fed <laughs> fell and i'm just oh, trying to imagine like harley race like probably had to restrain himself from killing this guy by accident yeah i think so yeah and you know i'm surprised you know george didn't break his hand trying to chop harley race <laughs> this is yeah. just you know and i don't want to make fun of the guy but like brennan's no, book no, no. yeah brennan's book like goes on to say that i guess George Goulas, as a kid, had like a full-time man nanny, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Who just mothered the shit out of this guy. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of brought that up that he was going to the Vanderbilt basketball games, part of the SEC there. And even though I had two seats, I guess George sat on that guy's lap some, even as a young man, you know. It's yeah. Like, uh. Now, he said there's nothing proved or don't take that the wrong way, folks. We're not saying anything, you know, out of school here. It's not in a book. We're just saying that's kind of really that guy just really I can't remember his name, but I guess just really babied him, you know. Yeah, uh, he had been babied or pretty much his whole life, I guess, you know. Yeah, all uh, all the way through. Him. Yeah, all the way through adulthood. Yeah, and oh. I guess the good thing is is um, 
of this, we're we're starting with that because we kind of take off last week. We've got yeah. some good uh, nepotism stories and a couple, like I said, bad and maybe the ugly. But but on that, Nick Gullis obviously loved his son a whole lot. You know that's that's the thing. You know the, a father's love for a son. So that that's the good part of it. Um, you know, but it, it basically made them uh, Gullis and Jarrett's and Welch break up as far as you know split the territory. No yeah. one they wasn't booking George on the Nashville end of the you know the. the dates he wasn't getting nashville dates or anything in east tennessee was you know they didn't want to push him out there um uh memphis i'm sorry memphis they didn't want to push him anything and and wouldn't book him when they brought him when they brought him up he wouldn't be booked on the show so uh that created some tension of course um anyway yeah let's go some good stuff how's that man yeah let's um you know what let's talk about three families and i like this well let's talk about the Hart family yeah yeah so you got the dad stew and um, had the big dungeon up there in Calgary, and he had several children, and a couple of them uh, made it very, very big in the wrestling business. Now, I know when I was in Canada, um, when I worked with Goldie Rogers, Nettie Watts, and some of those guys, they had worked Calgary. Um, they talked about some of the older brothers I didn't, you know, that didn't, that weren't on mainstream, you know, WWE. F back in the day or worldwide, they, they worked in Calgary and some in Canada, uh, Bruce and, um, uh, Ross, I think, uh, Keith, you know, some of the other ones. So that's like three. But then of course, um, the, the, the ones that, you know, we knew about were, were obviously Brett and Owen and then yeah. a lot of son, a few son-in-laws there, uh, as well. So anyway, tell us about the good with the Hart family. Well, okay. So I got to be careful here. Because I think in Calgary, there still might be an arrest warrant for me from the last time we talked about that. Mm. Um, Bret Hart. pissed off a lot of Canadians. I really, really did. My my, my apologies, everybody. Uh, especially to um, oh the owner of the CWO up there. I think I pissed him off on Twitter this week, too. But Oh, you know. did you? Oh, okay. yeah. Well, you know me. I uh, Bobby, I had a day at work where a, guy, where a guy made fun of me for wearing a mask, and then he stuffed this paper in my hand telling me how making him wear a mask was against state law, even though I didn't make him wear a mask. And then he goes, your, your rules are against the state law. And I said, Hey buddy, fuck you. They aren't my rules. And <laughs> I turned my back and started to walk away. He said, yes, they are. I said, they're my employer's rules. And I started to walk inside and he goes, well, pass it on. And I said, fuck you. I ain't passing on shit, man. And I threw his papers in the garbage. So then I came home, started reading Twitter and just immediately started like fucking getting mouthy with people who were shitting on Kenny Omega. Cause I just don't get it. Like I get, he's not your favorite, but I he's, far from the worst thing I've ever seen. And I think I may have uh, put my foot in my mouth with the CWO a little bit. So my, my apologies. Yeah. But you won't get booked there. Well, exactly. (laughs) Not anymore. Um, But the Hart family, Bret Hart, arguably one of the greatest technical wrestlers of all time, if not at least the last 35 years. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Owen Hart, probably one of the most dynamic wrestlers, even though I don't think he's been gone a long time. I don't think people think of him for all the just fucking gravity defying shit and quick moves and just what a fucking star he could have been and should Mm -hmm. have been. Mm -hmm. Um, I think those guys, you know, they came out of the dungeon so they could snatch a hold on your ass and, you know, squeeze the shit out of you. Um, and then of course, like you're saying, there's the other brothers and the brother-in-laws and the whole bit. But I would say that that dungeon 
that family, the people they turned out were stellar. Yeah. Well, they had who that Nightheart uh, mm-hmm. had a career, you know, with with Brett and, and as a singles, and then you got Dave Boy Smith that moved married into the family, mm-hmm. you know, son in laws or or brother in laws as it, as it may be, you know. So yeah, um, and of course, as you said, there's so many good people that come out of the dungeon up there, you know, that trained there at one point, you got broken into the business or what have you, but uh, yeah, so so the the nepotism of being a professional wrestler. And giving your sons, once they got old enough, of getting them involved into the business and giving them a break, um, we're, we're going to say, so that's that's a good side right there with the heart family for what they uh, put out there for our viewing pleasure, if you will, if you're a professional wrestling fan. Because those, those, those guys could wrestle, man. Yeah. They could wrestle, you know. And I think, because did the WWE had a, a bought or worked on some deal with Calgary, and that's yeah, how. Yeah, at one point, I think they I think they bought them, and part of the deal was, you know, this handful of guys go to WWE, you know. He's just like, Vance, come back you uh, got to take needed. my sons and that, give them a job there in New York. <laughs> well, go ahead and do it, Stuart. Of course, everyone knows the cat shit story, right? Uh, everyone knows that, you know, they had the big house up on the hill, and might as well tell this one because it's been around forever. Uh, Bruiser Bedlam told me, and, of course, I'd heard it when I was in Canada, from like I said, Goldie and Eddie and, and Leo Burke and, and guys I worked with that story was around forever. But I, so he's in, I guess, making a big old breakfast for all the boys, you know, and there's scrambled eggs there. And I, I guess the cat come up there and shit <laughs> on the counter. And he takes the, the, the spatula, reaches over, flips the cat shit off the, uh, off the counter onto the floor and then just puts this cash bachelor right back in the oh, eggs and keeps on turning them. So anyway, so that might be the toughest hole to kick out of is eating some scrambled <laughs> eggs by Stu Hart. I don't know. Well, that story's been around forever, but um, I don't like cat shit. And I don't like cat shit sandwiches and I don't think I like cat shit eggs either. <laughs> you know, here's the thing though. I think if like you look at Stu Hart's food and you're like, fuck it, I'm not eating. I think that's how you end up in like a step over to hold with oh, the Oh, you're getting stressed yeah. for sure. And yeah. speaking of cat shit sandwiches, let me tell you something i think i've told you before but one of my grandfathers man we called him daddy bot <laughs> uh you can imagine what uh bot is short for short for bottle <laughs> so he'd get on a bender there and uh he'd go into the room after about three weeks and uh he'd yell out my grandmother gertrude <laughs> he'd say hey gertrude hey gertrude and he'd be laying in that bed and yelling out and she'd say well, you want Daddy Bot? He go fix me a hamburger. So she'd fix him about a half-ass raw hamburger on two slices of white bread. Now she could cook. I'm just saying that's what she would give him, and of course he'd eat it. But she'd say, "Now, now, Bot, do you want mayonnaise or mustard on that sandwich?" And he'd say, "God damn it, Gertrude! I don't care if you put cat shit on it. Just bring me a hamburger." <laughs> <laughs> and so about 20 minutes would go by, and he'd yell it out again, and and to. Re- kind of be redundant here he'd go Gertrude fix me a bologna sandwich and of course she'd say do you want uh, mayonnaise or mustard and he'd go right through it again don't care if you put cat shit on it just bring me a, a bologna sandwich but anyway how we've got from Stu Hart flipping uh, scrambled eggs with cat shit spatulas to get stretched in a dungeon I think the heart's done pretty good for themselves I think so and, and, yeah and I think I don't ever think my grandmother put cat shit on a sandwich for daddy bot <laughs> I, I sure I sure hope not <laughs> even though it kind of sounds like you might have had it coming 
Yeah. But I, I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, okay. Anyway, so I'm going to go on. Yeah. I'm going to yes. go on to specifically a member of this family, but I'm going to say the, um, the Ortons. Yeah. Yeah. And but your specific member was who? Specifically, that's going to be Randy Keith Orton. Yeah. Man, what a talent. What a yeah. talent. Now, see, I didn't see his dad wrestle, um, but I knew Malenko and Gotchdem knew him. And they discouraged, um, Bob Sr. discouraged him from training uh, Bob Wharton Jr., who I really enjoyed his talent in the ring. He was one of my favorites. We talked about that before. And then, of course, now, third generation, I don't know if anyone is more smooth in the ring than Randy Orton. He To see him live, I've seen him live twice, and he is just so fluid and so smooth, it's unreal. You know oh, what, what what you see on TV does not do him justice as far as how good he actually is in the way he moves around the ring and does his executes his moves. Yeah, I mean his transitions from move to move and his being mm-hmm. able to hit that um that diamond cutter RKO move out of yep. literally anywhere, any position, any height off the ground. Yeah. And he can just grab that hold. Yeah. Boom. And I, I tell you what we're going to get probably if you're on Twitter, folks, you can follow me at Bobby Blaze 744. Follow the professor at the Geekish Cast or hit us up. And I bet you people do this, Jeremy. Uh, hit us up at uh, Bell to Bell Blaze, and that's those uh, videos or gifs where Randy Orton can hit that RKO out of anywhere, and it shows them doing ice skaters, and it shows them doing football players and actors and all. Have you seen some of those where Randy Orton's bodies put on there and? They're pretty funny, man, because he oh, can yeah. hit that move out of anywhere. So I bet you we get a couple of those that this week uh, sent to us at our, our site. It's also available on, on our uh, Facebook at uh, Professor has set up at Bell to Bell Blaze. But but someone out there will send us one probably where Randy Orton's hitting that RK out of nowhere. Um, I'm, I cannot think of his opponent, uh, but there's one. He is laying there on the mat flat, and he absolutely gets up so quick and a guy so close to the mat jumping off the top rope, it's like, I mean, it was just, the timing it was just so, I'm sure everyone through the years have seen him do that, you know, move when someone's jumping off the top rope, not just the, just the RKO, but to do it when someone's actually up in the air already. Mm-hmm. His timing on that, it took both of them, and I can't also remember who I saw him against, but it was just unreal, man. Um, but, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of respect for him, and, and that family obviously – Third generation, all three, all, all three of them, the father, the great, the grandfather, the, the father, and him have all done, did well in professional wrestling. I think. Yeah. And, well, and, and his uncle Barry, who passed away recently. Right. Well. Yeah. We yeah. met a couple weeks ago. Yes. Um, but yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that, like I said, from my understanding, uh, Bob Wharton Sr. did not want his son involved in professional wrestling. And um, I think he was going to be a dentist is what he was supposed to think. I think that's what he's going to do, go to dental school. Uh, But um, I know Malenko and Gotch had a a hand in his training early on. Um, And then, of course, you know, his son, I I think he was undefeated all throughout high school. Randy, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was undefeated uh, in high school in amateur wrestling. Um, So I don't know that the nepotism necessarily got Bob Sr., how much he helped Bob Wharton Jr., and then, of course, it had to be some. Eventually, he had to, you know, soften oh, yeah. up some or whatever. So, obviously, you know. And if you're listening to the Studcast right now, uh, Bob Wharton Jr. is actually up in um, the Southeastern Territory there. And it, it's, it, it's pretty good. I think they're in, like, 1977 right now. So, it's pretty good if you're following that. But uh, then, obviously, Wharton Jr. done a lot of work. Uh, 
with WWF back in the day. Mm-hmm. And there was that connection there with probably all the agents, if not Vince himself. And, and of course, you know, hey, I've got this talented son. Take a look at him. He goes over, say, oh. OVW. I don't know how long he stayed down there. I'm not sure. I've heard Jim talk about it a couple of times, but but he did go down there for a little while and um, uh, before he made it made it up to the the main roster, what have you. But man, uh, man, he he just he earned it, you know. Because oh, yeah. you could again put someone there that has two left feet and two left thumbs, and um, you know, see what happens that way. In this case, though, man, what a talented third generation wrestler it worked out so. oh fan yeah just a fantastically gifted guy probably not just gifted he's probably worked really 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 oh, yeah. hard yeah. but i you know some of that had to come natural too you know yeah oh, but yeah. but bobby now i got this picture of cowboy bob orton in in uh-huh. dennis gear but but with his leather vest over the top and cast <laughs> on his arm and a cowboy hat drilling in somebody's mouth and like so, uh, you like to do any fishing there, Daddy? What'd you do last weekend? <laughs> yeah, man, I tell you what. Has anyone worn a cast longer than Bob Wirt Jr.? <laughs> uh, 30, 35 years, as far as I know. No. Yeah, I don't think so. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. All right. I know we're coming up on. Um, uh, the last of what we call the good here, as we're kind of doing this, and this is one of your favorite families. I think it really. Um, uh, well, they're they're definitely a family that um, I identify with because of yeah, what me yeah, and my yeah. ex wife went through. Um, right. and, and you know, I wrote this down as a good, but then this morning I was like, this is this is mixed at best. My my last night when I read that, I was like, okay, and I appreciate you doing the notes this week. I I, I really do. I had a busy week. I literally, sure. I was, uh, you know, that day you said, told the guy to go fuck off or whatever. You know? Yeah. I, I had a good week. Don't get me wrong, but I had a couple really busy days where you're like, I was thinking how to do this, how to do that. And I just, you know, you get, you get wound up in other stuff, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so when I saw this one here, I was like, okay, is when you, when you look at the overall picture it's like, uh, Man, just a lot of tragedy. Yeah. But, but but the thing is, um, and of course, we're talking about the Von Erics, folks. Uh, and if you're a fan of this program, you probably knew who we was talking about. But I think ultimately it's the good that, um, okay, uh, the dad had this German gimmick, and then they're all American boys. You know, yep. so when his kids step into the ring, um yeah, it's kind of mixed, but I'm going to say with the good, because the reason I thought when I figured it all out in my head, what I'm trying to say is this, they got worldwide TV. Uh, they, you know, did the sportatorium and then all the shows you got to see on ESPN with WCCW. And also they were such huge stars over in Israel. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, you know, it's just one of those things where like, okay, uh, let's say while the, the wave was going up before it crashed, you know, and then ultimately crashed. I think it's good because, um, man, um, I'm just going to say it again. A lot of good pro wrestling, professional wrestling, and you were entertained by it. Yeah. And you were intrigued by it, and you followed it, and you watched it, and you were like, this is good stuff. This is professional wrestling, you know. Um, so, yeah. Uh, we'll keep it on a good side. Well, yeah, but it's, I mean, you know, we'll focus on that, but we're not going to shy away from the other too much. But, yeah. but look at, okay, so David Von Erich, okay, Carrie yeah. Von Erich, and Kevin Von Erich, the three, the three oldest mm-hmm. who went into wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, 
all of them in their own way were outstanding athletes. I mean, David, if rumors can be believed, was getting primed for an actual NWA champion run. Yeah. I I question that a little bit just because the NWA champion didn't sit on faces very long, but you know, whatever they were going to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Carrie Von if everything you hear is true, is one of the best natural athletes to ever go into pro wrestling. Yeah. Um, not only that, you could tell chicks went fucking berserk every time he went to the mall, mm-hmm. you know, just having paintings mm-hmm. thrown at him everywhere he went. Um, and then Kevin Von Erich, who probably has one of the f- stiffest face kicks I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, but that standing body scissor, he had a great mm-hmm. look. They all look like yeah. great athletes. Um, uh, just, just so we don't squander it though. Of course, at the same time, there was Mike and Chris who were yeah, not great athletes or not as great athletes as their brothers. And then there was something we're going to dig into next yeah. week. There was this thing with Lance who right. was sort of the cousin Oliver. Yeah. The if, worked cousin. Yeah. Yeah. yeah cousin Oliver. Good, good reference there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I know that from what we've read that, you know, I don't know how much Mike, maybe he wanted, wanted, I don't know. He was in between it, but from my understanding, I guess Chris just really wasn't gifted at all size-wise and everything. He really idolized Carrie. Yeah. And um, so maybe it wasn't so much that he was pushed into it or anything like that as opposed to, I don't know how, how hard uh, uh, David was pushed or, or, or Kevin. And I know Kevin has listened to our program and, and give him a shout out. He's, he, he listens to us on, he has listened to us and we gave his family a shout out on Twitter. Yeah. So if anyone out there, let him know, you know, we speak highly of him and his family. Uh, we're just going over this, but, um, so I don't know though. Um, but I know Carrie from a young age, um, he was a, he was a track and field star and he, he threw a discus of course, and ended up mm-hmm. doing that, you know, Texas tornado discus punch or what have you, uh, being a great athlete, as you mentioned, so I think those the older ones seem like they wanted to go into it. Obviously, I, I'm not so sure. Or, well, was given that big push and they ran with it from their dad. You know, yeah. daddy said sell. Daddy, by God, you go sell for the Von Erichs. They're going over. Yep. Daddy said we're going over. You know, that's that's pretty much it. And I don't know too much about like Mike and Chris how much their heart you know was into it or gifted they were compared to the, to the other three, you know. And if you look at David, he was a real big guy, man. He was, yeah. he was big. There's some footage of him from Texas and from Florida. So, um, yeah, I don't know about the stories about the NWA deal, like you said, because of the faces. But um, I, I think he was definitely in the talks there at one time. You know, I, I really do. And and Fritz being with the NWA there, you know. Well, Fritz uh, was, what, a two-time NWA president. I mean, he could have yeah. made it happen. But. And then with Kerry, he just, um, you know, Kind of a tribute to, uh, we've talked about that before. Excuse me, I hit my mic there. A uh, tribute to, uh, in honor of, of David, maybe, or just to Von Erics in general, uh, uh, being an NWA and a, selling out stadiums. Uh, you know, he was an NWA champion for a short while. Unfortunately, it wasn't at his, he wasn't at his best um, sometimes and, and had a short run. Yeah. But again, um, you got it on a baby face. You got that title on a baby face, and it tends to go better when you got it on the heel and the baby face are chasing that title, you know, on the chase. So, yeah. Yeah. And the buildups that we've talked about, some programs take, you know, back in the day took nine, 18 months and you run it all the way through from the singles match to the interference to, to, you know, eventually the cage match or what have you, or in this case, eventually a world title. So I don't know that, um, 
he just had a short build up to it, uh, basically, and a good short run, and boom, that's it, you know. Yeah. Um, and- but anyway. Uh, yeah, nepotism. Uh, yeah, I say for the most part, good. Let's let's ride that is up on the top of the wave. You know what I'm saying? Let's, yeah, let's exactly. Let's up on top of the wave Look, with that family. Yeah, Fritz had a hell of a deal going. He said, you know what? I'm going to take my my kids, and they're going to be the stars. And look, we already brought up one promoter who said that, and then just shit the bed. Right. Fritz said it, and his kids were talented, gifted athletes, and looked great. And yeah, they ran with it, man. And they ran with it, and like you said, you know, they were the number one wrestling program in Israel. They were syndicated all over the world. They were huge stars. You know, just go sometime and look at when they bring Yvonne Eric to the ring in Dallas. Yeah. And count how many chicks are in that audience. Yeah. And then go look at a WWE match today with a half-empty fucking seating and the fact that the entire geek squad from every Best Buy is sitting in there. It's a whole different thing that they brought to the industry. Yeah. 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 When we first started talking, and you painted kind of that same picture of Kerry Von Erich going to the ring or or to Kerry and Kevin going to the ring, and just it's almost like uh, Tom Jones in Vegas mm-hmm. getting panties thrown at him. You know, it's basically they're walking that ring and just all them young girls, man, and and it's just it's just mayhem with them, man. They're over, yeah. and um, it just yeah, they had that all American. You know, hey, that that's they were just over. So yeah, uh, we put that with the good. Let's let's yep. leave it at that. Because uh, we're going to get into a couple of the bad. Now we're not speaking bad about these people. Are talking shit. We're just going to mention a couple of names. The results. Have, the results story, are yeah. bad. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. Now my first one, I kind of questioned uh, Jeremy on it. Now who who do you think was the first that you put on this list? Now, well, it's not a bad person necessarily. Nothing like that. We're just talking about okay when your dad or your family is in charge of a, of a business, and you say, "Well, I'm going to hire my son or my daughter." And, and this is the way it's going to be, you know, so uh, everyone can figure that part out. So so uh, the person anyway. I, I put down here first, and this isn't a slam on them. It is literally just that <clears throat> daddy put me in the ring, and I'm sure he's a better athlete than I know. But Greg Gagne, when you look at when he was really getting pushed in the AWA and look at him compared to Brunzel. Jesse Ventura, the other guys who were big stars, or hell, he even put him next to his dad, and his dad's just like old school, like normal athletic build. Yeah, he had that. He had that. You tell old man strength to him yeah. still. Good solid build. Um, yeah, I don't think as reflection of of necessary. When I put, was he really bad? You know, I, these were talking points. I don't yeah. think that was necessary. He was bad. I just think, you know, if you look at his size, he's actually a pretty good-sized guy. Well, compared but to me, he's he's big, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But with the crew he's with, uh, he's just average at best, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with uh, interviews and stuff. All those guys, when you got guys up there like Bachwinkle that can talk, <laughs> you know, Bobby <laughs> Heenan that can talk. I mean, we, we went through that list before. It's hard when you get that interview time. Uh, you know, to, to, to be up there with those guys, you know, uh, for your spot. Uh, we talked about, uh, I think, the year 1978. Him and was him and Brunzel were the tag team champions. Uh, yeah. We did that, that year in review. Um, and I hope we revisit some more years like that in the future. Uh, we had such good time on those podcasts. Oh, that's fun. Uh, yeah, we got to do that soon. It was really fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but anyway, just saying, it wasn't that he was that bad. It's just like, uh, but daddy's going to push him, you yep. know. And um, me probably, and that group, you know, like I said, um, 
mentioning all those guys and, and more, of course, it's hard to say, like you said, to you, he, he was a big guy, you know, to the average fan, he was a big guy, but compared to the guys he's working with, he's not that big of a guy. Yeah. Standing and, in the and, ring, he does yeah. not look big. And interviewing and, 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 and promos, you know, and things like that. So it's like, okay, uh, mid card at best, you know, maybe. Mm-hmm. So, and, well, you um, think like his brother-in-law, Larry Z, uh, just, you know, just look at the difference in mic work from one to the next. Yeah. yeah. You know? And ring work. My God. Yeah. Yeah. Larry, Larry Z. I mean, come on. Spudheads out there. You know what I'm saying? He, yeah. What do you call people? Spudheads or something? Uh, was it Spud? Really, it might have something Spuds. Yeah. Spud. What was it? Spud, Spud, Spudnoids or something. I can't remember. But yeah, there you go. Interview. Uh, Larry wasn't overly big. Of course, he was big. Don't get me wrong. Hell, he was a 500 pound venture back yeah. at the time. I'm just saying. Uh, uh, but not that big, huge body build. You know what I'm saying? Just, uh, but talker, wrestling ability. I mean, fuck, he 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 beats his uh, his teacher, you know, uh, his mentor, and he becomes the legend. You know, could never uh, go to New York again, as I yeah. Hear, right? There you go, man. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, so you got all that around you, so it's it's kind of hard uh, to give credit to that push being justified when you to to say it's bad. You know, I think people understand what we're getting at. It's not that he's that bad. It's just that look at the competition around you, kid. You know? Yeah. Well, and it's that thing, too. It's it's the perception. It's yeah. Greg Gagne's tag team champion. Of course he is. His yeah. dad owns the company, you know. I think that's part of the reason Macho Man went by Savage instead of Poffo, too. Yeah, and I, I also Savage got that name in baseball. He was such a savage when he hit. They said, you know. Yeah. And um, but yeah, there's another you know example of nepotism. But uh, I know with ICW, um, you know the Poffos ran. They ran out of Lexington, Kentucky. They ran the ICW. They had, you know, several um, other people uh, that bought into it at ten percent. I know you know several people <clears throat> through the years that did, but the. the the main one was, you know, Angelo and his wife, Judy. And Angelo wrestled as the miser. Mm-hmm. And Judy wrestled as Lady Satan. And then, of course, That's you had the names. macho man, uh, Randy Savage. But um, you had Leap and Lanny Poffo. And so those those characters, you know, were, well, they were real people. But uh, I remember uh, when everyone found out that Leap and Lanny, uh, his real brother, was the Macho Man, you know, and they they put that on TV and it, it played out really well uh, on TV and and I think Randy, see how it went. Poffo, when people found out for real, they put it into an angle that they were brothers. People didn't want to believe it. People did believe it, etc. So Poffo, uh, Lanny comes out with a picture and says, I can prove that you're my brother because I have his family picture. I think, but I have a picture of, he said, I have a picture of your mother or something like that. But anyway, so he's in the ring and Savage is sitting there and he's like, you know, all jacked up. And man, he, he used to do the freak out freak. His, he was a whole, man, his character was really, he was, it was him. He lived yeah. a gimmick, you know? And anyway, he said, um, he said, uh, something like, Hey, we might have the same dad. And he took that photo from Lanny and he said, but, um, but that's not my mother. That's a picture of a whore right there. (laughs) And he broke that picture. Yeah. It was like a, holy shit, man. Uh, I think he broke the picture 
on a fan's head too. He jumped out and cracked a fan with it or something. You know, it's just one of these crazy things. They, they turn it into an angle. So nepotism there in ICW. You know, I know it wasn't on the page there, but uh, we we left the Ganyas. Now we're into the Poffos. Uh, but yeah, they probably, um, that worked out good for, for their family. You know, the Macho Man went on to be a huge star in the world of wrestling. And, and Lanny did pretty good for himself too, you know. Uh, didn't become the big star that Randy was, but he was definitely... Um, but they kayfabed it for a long time too. And I, when they got to New York at one, you know, at some point people probably thought, oh, unless they lived in the caves and whatever, like, ah, they didn't care if Randy Savage and Lanny Poffel were brothers. Yeah. Except their mom had dad had ran some, you know, uh, outlaw promotion in, you know, Kentucky and, and some parts of West Virginia and Tennessee and Missouri, you know, they just, uh, uh, good stuff. And shout out to Rip Rogers, man. He worked for them. Um, and Bob Wharton Jr. had a part of that company at some time. We, w- at some point, we know that. Um, so, and I guess, um, anyway, let's move on. I happen to know this next person. Uh, it's been a year since I've talked to him. Uh, why don't you introduce him and tell him what you think and, and why you got him on a bad. All right. So the next one is going to be Eric Watts, son of Cowboy Bill Watts. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about the Eric Watts that works for Hollywood uh, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. So please don't drive up here and punch me or something. <laughs> um, so Eric Watts on paper should have been a pretty good push for his dad. Eric Watts was an athlete. He's a big guy. Um he kept getting pushed, and he was just boring as fuck, Bobby. Just yeah, I boring. don't, I don't know. I'm gonna tell you this: Eric Watts was a hell of a good dude. Mm-hmm. Always talked to me when I was in WCW. He didn't go around acting like a big star. He didn't go around acting cocky or arrogant or anything like that. Um, we used to talk because he he played football at the University of Louisville, you know. And I knew he was a good athlete and stuff, and 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 uh, he had a good body. Um, I just don't know what happened. You know, he got he was getting the pushes. It's almost like, um, um, not to put him in the same category, but you know, Brad Armstrong, every time he started getting a push, seemed like something happened and he had to stay at the oh, mid car. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, um, uh, and that's not a dig towards Brad because you know, you and I both speak, think the world of Brad Armstrong's yeah. talent and families. The same thing with Eric. I think, um, he was getting them pushes, but like you said, it just, who was paying attention to it, you know? Yeah. Uh, when you had guys there that were already established stars, um, Sting and Flair and those guys, and then you had the NWO come in, you know, where the outsiders come in, then the NWO thing. I just don't think that he they he could have elevated past mid-card, you know? Um, and and, and I, it never did, obviously, but um, it's just one of those things like, uh, should he have even got the push to begin with? I think he should have at least got the into the business from there. You know what I'm saying? Right. Then, then, excuse me, the, uh, your own athleticism, your own ability to talk and interview your, your body, you know, um, maybe getting involved in some, uh, more serious storylines or something like that. I don't know. It just never, never seemed to happen for him, man. Um, well, it's just one of those ones. And of course, then you also have the thing, the perception, just like fucking, of course he's getting pushed. mm -hmm, Look who mm -hmm. his dad is. Yeah. Yeah. Whether or not that's true. Well, you know what? Here, we're this one, I'm going to go off script for a second. Bobby, do you know who the greatest wrestler on the planet is? <laughs> Shane McMahon. There you go. He can sit behind a desk for 10 years, then come out of retirement and beat their upcoming 25-year-old talent and uh, you know go win a tournament in Saudi Arabia after eight years of not doing a damn thing. 
And yeah. look, I mean, you know why he won? Well, look whose dad is. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't yeah. have a work ethic or anything, but. Oh, yeah. Can't take that away from him. Yeah. And he takes the crazy ass bump or whatever. But then again, again, but I see your point. Well, point well, point well made, point well taken. That's, yeah. That's very good. And I don't know what you're talking about off script. Come on, man. We ain't scripted. <laughs> <laughs> you know that, man. All right. So I'm going to jump to this next one. Uh, just throw it out there so we know how we're going to end this deal. Yeah. As I'll put Garrett Bishop out there. And I don't know a whole lot about him other than I did see him years ago and haven't seen him since. And I thought he had a good build. Um, talked okay. Look, I don't know what he did in the ring. Uh, so anyway, Bischoff, Garrett Bischoff, tell me and we'll just kind of go from there. Well, what kind of push and where's he at? Because I seem like I remember him getting to WWE, but did he or not? I don't know. Well, I, so I, I only did some quick research because I was actually right. shocked that Eric Bischoff's son went into wrestling. I mean, I, I probably shouldn't have been, uh, but apparently he got a big push during that period of time in TNA. You know, right, that, right. That That's time. why I remember that. Yeah. Um, now, I don't know if was the guy talented or not. Couldn't tell you. Didn't see him wrestle. But I can tell you after Eric Bischoff had his ego flare up in the 90s, anything he does in wrestling, everybody's going to look at like, of course, you're pushing your kid. Yeah. You keep yeah. you're a one trick pony. You keep doing the same shit over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah. And then what I could tell is he basically went from TNA to the Indies and he took a couple of years off. And then, you know, that's where he started working the indie dates. Yeah. That's, that's, that's kind of, I thought at one point he, he went to WWE. Um, I'm not sure how much TV exposure they gave him or didn't give him. I know he wasn't on the main roster to my knowledge, but it seemed like he was under contract and maybe they just didn't do anything with him. I could be wrong on that. But, um, yeah, like I said, he just kind of – and maybe he's still under contract somewhere. I don't know. He could be. But, uh, but obviously, like you said, there's a, there's, a, um, there's a reason why he got the initial push at TNA back in the day, you know. So, um, I don't know. We, there's, there's a – you know, we mentioned um, several other families. Like I said, we mentioned Armstrong. Well, is there nepotism there? I think that's all good. You know, got four sons from Bullet Bob, and, and they all done quite well for themselves in the rest of the business, you know. Uh, there's a lot of different, uh, We, like I said, we mentioned the Poffos, and, and hell, we're probably missing a bunch of other people, but this oh. is just kind of some people we put together here that um, that we thought, okay, let's, let's see what we can do with it. Um, and I, before we get to this last one, did we leave anyone off? Who am I not thinking of that, that comes to mind that we may or should have mentioned maybe? And I'm, I'm drawing a blank all of a sudden. Um, oh, I'm sure. Well, you know what? Here, here's one that shocked me. I didn't know Greg Valentine was uh, the son of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, I, told, I don't know how that story plays out, how true it is, but I guess he showed up uh, on Johnny Valentine's steps and said, Hey, I'm your son, you know, and I'm here to be trained or whatever, you know, or here to wrestle. I don't know, but uh, I don't know what kind of uh, situation they had, but yeah. Um, I had and no again, idea. It could be one of them things where, uh, uh, beat the hell out of him and he'll make it on his own. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? If, if that's the situation, then, then Greg Valentine, you know, done pretty damn good for himself. You know what I'm saying? Oh, look, Greg Valentine had a hell of a career, and he should have oh. been in wrestling. I mean, just based on a Absolutely. handful of things. Yeah. But, yeah. No, you know. I'm just saying, how many people, though, have told their sons, or, you know, I don't want you in this business, and said, hey, uh, uh, 
break his leg, you know, or break mm-hmm. his arm or, or keep kayfabe him or something, you know, to keep him out of the business. I mean, yeah. and then they didn't go into the business because, you know, um, daddy said no. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, know, so anyway, I have to assume that from a promoter standpoint back in the past, Mm-hmm. getting somebody's kid was a good deal because you didn't have to smarten anybody up. They probably, yeah. did, you know, they probably yeah. knew a little something coming in, even though just because your dad was a wrestler doesn't mean you were smart necessarily, but yeah. you know, um, cause well, like Nick it, Bockwinkle's dad was a pro wrestler. You, right. you just, you know, you got to look at like who some of the people were, but when well, you get mm-hmm. go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no, no, I was just going to say, but when you look at like when the promoters kids get in like I think the best thing they could probably do is go work for somebody else because you know, look, my first plumbing job, I worked for my dad for six months and that fucking mm-hmm. sucked. I would have much rather gone and work somebody else. Cause no matter what, if something went wrong, it was blamed on me. Cause I'm, I'm the foreman's kid mm-hmm. and you know, just all that kind of shit. You know, I got yeah, down the better roses, yeah. man, to be the promoter's son or the wrestler's uh, second to the son or whatever. Yeah. But, but here's a couple we didn't go into great detail on. Of course, that's the Jarrett's. We just, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about, uh, only because we had them on the program last week. We had, you know, grandson of, of Teeny on here. Yeah. So, you know, you got, uh, uh, Jerry and then Jeff, you know, uh, we didn't mention, um, the uh, Wyndham's, you know, we didn't, you know, oh, the we've talked should, about yeah. them in the past, you know, a little bit about look at that family, how, how many people, uh, a couple of sons, a couple of son-in-laws kind of like, you know, with the uh, hearts, you know, right up there. And we mentioned Armstrong, just people that got involved, you know, because of the, the dad or the father was involved, you know, yep. and I guess, are we looking at third generation wrestlers on a couple of the, um, uh, of them or not of the, uh, Wyndham's maybe a couple, right? Uh, yeah. 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 So some, Anyway, I'm sure we left someone off, but I know you got one more and uh, you want to bring us up. And I just uh, had a little story I want to tell you. It took place and we'll wrap things up. All right. So, again, this one is going to be mixed, but I'm going to start with the one I wrote down and then we'll expand from there. Absolutely. David Flair. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So you, you, you worked with David Flair. Yeah. So I just say this. Okay. Um, the, he had a son, Ric Flair's son, David, he had a son named Reed that sadly passed away a few years ago. And from my understanding, he, he was a very good amateur wrestler and was making ways in professional wrestling and, and was tragedy struck. Okay. We'll leave it at that. Uh, Charlotte has obviously done very good for herself. I mean, I, I think she played, you know, collegiate, uh, volleyball. Uh, she's obviously very, very talented. She's main invented a damn WrestleMania, you mm-hmm. know? So with, that said, David Flair, uh, David Flair was just a good kid. He was a young kid, and um, they they got him they got him involved in professional wrestling. I don't know how bad he wanted to be there. I don't think he wanted to be there all that bad. Um, and he was nothing in the back except for courteous and polite, and he walked on eggshells because he knew why he was there. Okay, let me establish that right away. He knew that you know, first of all, you know, hey. I, I'm in over my head here, you know, let me, and I, the guy tried, I would go to show, you know, obviously get there to the shows in WCW. You have to be there at least an hour prior to the show, uh, on TVs, you pay-per-views, you, you're there like five hours ahead, uh, stuff like nitros. You're there four hours ahead of the show. You know, I mean, it's all thunders. You're there three hours ahead, whatever the schedule was. And I saw guys in the ring working with David. <clears throat> I saw, 
uh, Fit Finley working with them. One, and I'm thinking, if you can't get this from Fit Finley, you know, if you can't get this from Bobby Eaton, you, you know, you're not going to get it, kid. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So uh, he just, he tried, but he just, um, the ability wasn't really there. So I got, I went over to, up to Minneapolis to do a TV taping and several guys uh, got sent home. Uh, I think they had an athletic commission up there is why some guys got sent home. I just, I'm not sure four or five guys that were scheduled to do Thunder on Thursday got sent home. It wasn't a disciplinary thing or anything like that. It's just like, I don't know if they, uh, they didn't, it wasn't anything like major, like they didn't fail a drug test. They, they, they weren't sick. It was just something, uh, maybe athletic commission, some of them high blood pressure. I really don't know why. About four or five people got sent home and they asked myself and Scott Armstrong and, and, and uh, Brad, uh, a couple other people, um, Bobby Duncan Jr. Anyway, a handful of us to stay over after TV. I said, we need you through Friday and uh, we'll give you an advance on your pays and, and, you know, be at these shows. So, of course, I, you know, hell, got to do what you got to do. And um, so I ended up with another Thunder Thunder because the first Thunder I got on, Brian Clark, uh, uh, no, I'm sorry, Brian Adams got me on, uh, big big crush. I'd worked with him on um, down in Orlando at Universal, and he enjoyed the match so much, he personally asked for me to make his debut match on Thursday Night Thunder. Oh, and nice. I did, and that, that was a really good, actually, that was a really good match. Uh, he gave me quite a bit. Terry Taylor said, how the hell do you get these big guys to sell for you, Bobby? And I said, I just work, Terry. You know, <laughs> so, but anyway, um, professionalism, courtesy, they know. But anyway, and he knows that. Uh, but David Flair, uh, so I had to wrestle him on a Thursday Night Thunder. And that's Arn Anderson, even though I may be, and this may be a reason why I'm Arn Anderson's favorite fucking enhancement talent right here, by God. Um, so I remember the, um, it's in across Wisconsin. And uh, Scotty Armstrong and myself had ridden over. Actually, me, Scott, and Brad rode in one car. And uh, like I said, um, uh, Nick Patrick and uh, Bobby Duncan and someone else got to have, they rode another car. Anyway, fun day in Minnesota at the Mall of America, I'll say that. But we go to lacrosse the next uh, day or whatever, and I see my name on the board with David Flair. So uh, at the at lacrosse, the they had the um, they had a big bus outside. That was the war room where you go mm-hmm. in and get your finishes and stuff. And like I said, I may be Arn's favorite enhancement talent, but David Flair uh, is apparently the godson of Double A Arn Anderson. <laughs> so I go up there, and this is towards the end of. Uh, let's see, this is probably in '99, probably August, September, you know, fall of '99, something like that, and. Um, so uh, Kevin Nash is part of the booking. I had already spoken to him. I went to Lexington at Rupp Arena, tried to work out things for my contract, just seeing where things were going, you know. And and Arn was kind of my age at that time. Terry was, and Arn was. He, he told me to go see Kevin before that. So I, I talked to these guys, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like a gentleman, like a man. We just talked. So I, I, I said, Arn, I said, um, anything? And David wasn't in. He didn't come with me. I just went. I said, Let me, I'm going to go straighten this out right now because I don't know what I expected of this guy because I've seen him, you know. And mm-hmm. I know I'm going to have to put him over. So I go up to Arn. He's on the bus. We're sitting there talking. I said, you know, um, Arn, what do you want me to do? You know, he said, Bobby, the less you give him, the better you'll look. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, okay. I said, I could do it. He said, just do what you got to do. And he said, it'll be taken care of. And I said, okay. So um, that's, that's, you know, hour and a half, two hours for the show, whatever. 
I'm hanging in the back and now it's time to go get finished. So I walk back there and I, I, I speak to Arn and, and uh, he says, Bobby, I'm telling you, the less you give them, the better off you'll look. He said, here's what you're going to do. He said, put them in a corner somewhere at the end. He said, put the boots to them, but uh, be looking down or away. He said, we're sending, this is Thursday night thunder. Okay. Okay. And he said, we're sending Ming down. Oh shit. And when you turn around, Ming will give you the, the death grip. And you, 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 as you're going down, David will just roll you up. And I said, man, that's fine with me. Not a problem. So we get in the ring. Boom, bada, boom, bada, boom. I'm just, I'm all over David Flair. Cause like I said, the last you, now I'm not trying to kill him or beat him up. I'm just beating him up. Yeah. Just saying that. And finally I, I get him in a turnbuckle. I said, grab a headlock. So he grabs the headlock. Of course, I pick him up, belly to back suplex. Boom. One, two, let him kick out. And I stomp the fuck at him again. He's got no offense. I'm just eating him up, man. Looking great on thunder, right? Woo. Yeah. And I put him in a corner where the, where the entrance ramp's at. I've got my hands on the top rope looking down and I'm putting the boots to him. Boom, boom, boom. And you hear the crowd and people. And I look up and there's Ming and he puts the Tongan death grip on me and holds it. And um, I go down and I think David puts me into figure four and that's the end of the match. Okay. Because I'm out. I can't yeah. tap out. I'm just out from the Tongan death grip. All right. So. I know that's being taped for next week's Thunder. I'm all excited. David Flair in the back's nothing but professional. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Arn is like Bobby. Thank you so much. That's very good, very professional, what have you. Uh, Ming, even I, we always spoke. you like, Bobby, thank you. I, yeah, thank you, guys. You know what I'm saying? I remember Scotty Armstrong and myself riding back to Minneapolis to catch our flights the next day. And uh, it's a couple, three hours away, whatever. And Scotty said, Bobby, he said, do you realize, man, what a big push that was for you? He said, he said, man, you look so good doing it, you know? And he goes, and he goes, then you got, he goes, you didn't get beat. He said, the monster of the fucking company came out and put his finisher on you. You know, he said, you didn't get beat. He said, the monster, you know, Ming put his gimmick on you, man. And you went out. I was like, yeah, that's the way I look at it. That's pretty good. Well, I'm at home the next week because I got the next week off, right? Mm -hmm. That's the good thing. And David was nothing but good. I'm just saying that. So we're just talking about again. All right, here's a guy that nepotism. Obviously, it didn't work out for him. And um, so the next week when Thunder comes on, man, I'm all stoked going, I know that match is going to be. Man, they fucking put a match on there. And he was standing. They, he was, they, they preempted my match. And they taped something else. It never aired. Well, There's your nepotism. Yeah. Flair must have seen it or whatever. But I know this. Arn liked it. And I'll tell you this, by God. The next day at the airport, DDP came up to me. He said, Bobby, thanks for taking care of the kid last night. I took care of David Flair, believe me. Okay? But, uh, and I'll tell you what they did. The following week, what came on, David Flair was in a hallway. And here come a couple of the horsemen. And uh, Chris Benoit ended up putting him in a crippler face lock in the hallway. And that's what they put on instead uh, to, to build up for another match. And, and it's, 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 you know what I'm saying? They made 
David Flair tap out in a in a in a hallway to uh, to Benoit or whatever to to set up something, and I'm like, "Fuck me, running backwards." Somebody, man. yeah, you somebody know. called an audible on a storyline or something. Someone did because yeah. uh, uh, you know David Flair, and nothing against him, nothing against uh, the Nature Boy or whatever, but I think you know probably Bischoff or someone, uh, you know, just said, "Hey, man, this kid ain't got enough TV time here." to make him look that good because I looked that good that night. But oh. I've done it because my main man and my aide at that time, double A, Arn Anderson, said, Bobby, the less you give him, the better you're going to look. And I took him to school, baby. Yeah. I took him to school. That's legit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I took him to school. That's so my story. I, I'm sticking to it. I have <laughs> to think that, like, in the case of, like, David Flair, when they were, like, I don't know how they met or how 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 it got to, hey, David's coming to work here at WCW. I, I'd have to imagine David would go talk to his dad and be like, hey, this, you know, this is going on, blah, blah, blah. And Ric Flair's probably like, look, it's a fucking paycheck. Take it. They're going to pay yep. you a ton. Grab it. Yep. Can I borrow 20 bucks? That's that's <laughs> what I see happening. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, let's wrap things up, man. I know we've, um, I just want to end on that story because it, to me, it, that's a good it, story. It, that's true. It, it happened. That's telling the truth. I'm not exaggerating or anything. But again, it goes back to, uh, when we do these podcasts and, and, and you introduce me as double B and this and that, um, a lot of times behind the scenes, you know, um, you talk to a lot of people, you know what I'm saying? Like here I am. I, I don't even, I've probably never have brought up Ming too many times on this, no, on not this really. podcast, you know, but man, um, I wrote about him in my first book, um, about him and how Barbarian and Ming took care of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I, when I was wrestling against, um, uh, Scotch flat Norton one night, uh, that was somewhere up north too. It wasn't, I don't think it was Minnesota. It was, it was somewhere. But um, anyway, uh, in the book, Pin Me, Pay Me, Have Boost Will Travel. And you can get that at tinyurl.com slash blazebook1. I tell a story about Ming and Barbarian, and, and I've talked to Barbarian in person a couple of times. Even I told him, I said, hey, I wrote this story, and I'll put you over in it, you know, and, and rightfully so. Um, and my second book is called I Kicked Out the Educational Wrestler. I Kicked Out on Two, The Educational Wrestler. You can get that book at tinyrell.com slash blazebook2. And uh, that's my plug for this week, just saying I tell some stories in my books. But um, what I was getting at here in the back there, you interact with a lot of people, and there's a lot more stories out there. And hopefully I'm going to write some more of these stories in my in my next book, you know. Yeah. Um, I think the working title is, uh, Hey Ref, That Was a Quick Count, or Hey Ref, That Was a Fast Count. I'm not sure how I'm going to do that yet, but but it's involving life and, you know, as you're getting older and, and different things, looking back on your career and, and fun and stuff. Um, but anyway, speaking of books, next yes. week, what do we have coming next week? Next week, we have the author of Lance by Chance, Vinnie Barry. But what's Lance by Chance about, Bobby? It is about the kayfabed cousin of the um, um, Von Erichs when they brought in the supposed cousin of Kevin Carey, David, and all of them. Uh, uh, well, Watto Von Erich was the kayfabe brother, I guess, of uh, Fritz. Mm-hmm. So they brought in, and I and Kevin uh, is totally, and we're going to bring this up next week, he was totally against it. I think he was one of the only ones that was really spoke out about it. They brought in a kayfabe cousin called Lance Von Erich, and he really wasn't, um, he was walking across a golf course, basically, and someone said, hey, you ever thought about professional wrestling? And he might have even said no. I'm not sure. Uh, I read the book, just kind of letting you know where it's going to go. And uh, he, and next thing you know, he ends up being um, one of the Von Erich's cousin on, on 
the big stage, you know, with all these big stars. And um, anyway, it's uh, it's an interesting read. We're not having Lance Von Eric on here, just so you know, straight up, but we're having author. Vinnie Berry has been in contact with both Jeremy and myself and uh, sent us a copy of the book, and um, I took the time to read it, and Jeremy's finishing it up this week, and um, we're going to just talk about that because uh, it's an interesting story. It really is. Um, I think he was very reluctant about the wrestling business, but we're going we're gonna to find out for sure next week just how involved he was, how he got over, how he didn't like getting over, uh, how he got out of professional wrestling, what all this guy did. But it's a pretty good story about, yeah, guys walk across a golf course, and next thing you know, you're a fucking in one of the biggest wrestling families in the history, you know, yeah. professional wrestling. There's your nepotism right there. There's, there's... Although he wasn't Ken, he was brought in, and, and we'll go from there. But, yeah, that's next week's program. Yeah. Um, so. You know, one of, my, one of my favorite things that, you know, we were talking about that filthy Tom Waller earlier, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the bits that I saw was, like, he was feuding with the Von Erich brothers. And he comes out, and he grabs a microphone, and he goes, you know, guys, I found, he goes, those guys, they're a bunch of phonies. I found a real Von Erich. And he goes, here comes Waldo Von Erich's son, Rip. And this... <laughs> Guy comes out, little guy, you know, not not little like mass wise, but like short, not not like super yeah. cut up or anything, <laughs> with some of Carrie Von Eric's gear looking stuff on, like tassels and shit, <laughs> and yeah, you, know, you know, they got the the production music version of Stranglehold playing. He comes out and he's like, you know, high fiving people in the audience, and they're in <laughs> yeah. Texas, and yeah. uh, it just and then Tom Waller takes him in there and just fucking works his ass. Yeah, it was kind of funny just seeing like another Walt, you know, quote unquote yeah. Waldo uh, von yeah. Eric's sons in there. Um, that's good stuff. Man. Oh, it was pretty good. Well, Bobby, I think that's going to wrap it for this. Yeah, week. let's wrap it up, man. Listen, you people out there, please take care of each other. Take care of yourself. Be kind to yourself. Sometimes I can remind myself of that myself. So, uh, Professor, thank you for this week. Appreciate the notes and the input and producing and uh, putting this podcast out for us. So long from Bobby Blaze. Jeremy, close us out. All right. Well, everybody, for the late Tex Johnson, myself, Professor Jeremy Vilmer, and Double B Bobby Blaze, bye-bye, everybody. <laughs>